Welcome to Razzle Frat. We're back to talk books, coffee, pop culture, and more. I'm Allie. And I'm Ashton. So how have you been? Um, I haven't seen you in a couple weeks. I know. I haven't seen you since your birthday. I've been good. I feel like I've been going a million miles an hour at work. Um, but not in, a, not in a bad way, like usual. <laughs> like like when normally when someone says that they're like really run down, I just feel like I've been busy, but it's been a lot more creative work, which is great. A lot more writing, which is the thing that I love about my job. So it's been a lot of fun. And I used my corporate card to make my first corporate big girl purchase of a Kindle for work. So that was a lot of fun. And I'm like proud of myself for advocating for myself and saying that like that is something that would make me more productive. And they said, yes. Um, so now I own a Kindle. <laughs> um, so that'll be a lot of fun. I can like in the fall go outside and like read manuscripts and PDFs on my Kindle instead of being glued to my desk all day. And this weekend, my mom's coming to town. So I'm really excited about that. She's only going to be here for like 36 hours, but I'm excited. So that's random. You mean three days? No, I mean, like comes in Friday night, leaves Sunday morning. Wow. So she's coming for a weekend. <laughs> yes, but not really like a full weekend. Okay. Well, I, mean, I don't know what your full weekends look like, but I don't know why you always say things in hours. You're like... <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's like not even two days. It's like she'll get in at like 11 on Friday and then leave at like 10 or 12 on Sunday because she's like using a friend's like she got added to a friend's like frequent flyer she, like a friend that works for american airlines but are on the like standby list and so she's just like i'm coming to see you um so that's what's happening okay yeah no i think it's because like whenever i hear you talk about like time you're always like oh it's been 72 hours or, it's been 30 I, I have no idea why you do it either <laughs> and it like it it makes me think and i don't want to have to think more than like i thought 36 was three days no that's not three days. <laughs> three like waking days okay so like a day and a half okay yeah. she'll be here for like most of the weekend yeah. um so i'm excited about that and um yeah how about you that'll be fun yeah how does uh how does it feel being 27 okay just out me on the podcast <laughs> um it feels whatever man i don't know were you frightened <laughs> a burden to I'm, your parents i am a burden that's no, for sure no, but i'm just uh I'm all right. It was, it was a fun birthday. I think, I think I have to find like different places that I want to go or something. Cause there were just some weird vibes when we were out. Like, I don't know if you remember, but, um, we were, I was up on like that cushion at the dance place. Yeah. I'm not going to disclose anything. Um, I, <laughs> on the cushion part, like standing on like tables and stuff and like some, <laughs> you know, some, as one does. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and this girl, young woman, whatever, pushes her way, like, to stand up next oh, to me. Oh, I remember that. And, um, like, I'm like, all right, I'm here for it. I'm like, I'll dance with anybody that's near me. Like, I don't care. Like, I just like a good time and a yeah. good vibe. And I'm very, like, I want people around me to feel that energy yeah. and whatever. And this girl, I shit you not, would not look at me, would not acknowledge my existence. And meanwhile, she had jostled me to stand up there. And she just stands there and bobs her head and just scans the crowd. I was like, um, excuse me, miss, <laughs> but um, there's a disco ball and you're abusing it. Like, what the fuck? So I don't know. It's just like, 
I think stuff like that is making me feel older and like whatever. Um, I know I'm not old, but like, it I, sounds I'm like not a her problem. That's not I mean, a you problem. Yeah. I think it's just like showcasing that like, I'm not 21. And I think like a lot of the vibes right now, of like 21, 22 year olds, um, very negative towards anyone that's not in the same bracket. And it's mm-hmm. like, maybe that's just my personal experience of what's been happening. I don't know, but it was just weird. Um, but New York is a little weird right now. I feel like it doesn't, yeah. I feel like everybody always says it, but it doesn't feel similar to like when a like pre pandemic, obviously, but it is if it just feels like off, but that tax. So I don't want to talk any more about my shenanigans that <laughs> night. Cause we're not going to disclose the rest of the night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, what have you, other than working and having your mom come up, what have you been doing, like, bookish-wise? Bookish-wise, I... So, I guess this is book-adjacent, because there are books that correspond to these series. I watched North and South with my roommate Megan. We finally watched it, and... um, it was better than Pride and Prejudice, in my opinion. Um, and we can talk more about that. But I loved it. I thought it was so good. And the music and the score was so good. And it was like, I don't know, it's just like very like like a gritty Pride and Prejudice. I don't know. I That's what Megan, Megan was like. It's like grittier than Pride and Prejudice. And I was like, yes, I like it. I don't know. Plus, I love What's His Face for Richard Armitage. Like, what? I'm trying not to interrupt you. <laughs> You're laughing at the gritty. Yeah. <laughs> okay, for full disclosure, North and South is is based on a series written by Elizabeth Gaskill around the same time Pride and Prejudice was written. And the fact that you call it gritty, here is the sole difference between that and Pride and Prejudice that is cracking me up. Pride and Prejudice is set in country estates. So it's a lot of nature and pretty leaves and lakes and things like that. Cue Colin Firth. North, North and South is set in like industrial Manchester. So it's like, of course it's gritty because it's in the 1800s what? when there's, don't interrupt me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. I don't want to have to edit out you interrupting me every five seconds. Um, When we talk over each other, when we get excited, it's difficult. Um, But it's like, it's the London smog thing and like all of the, the factories and dirtiness before they were working conditions. It's like, that's why it's gritty and gray because like, that's what that looked like when you're in Manchester versus like a pretty country estate. (laughs) If I may speak now, <laughs> I meant gritty, not as in like physically dirty, but like the themes are heavier and it's more like there's like, um, you know, it feels more like, I don't know, visceral, like the stakes are higher. There's like people going on strike and starving and it's about like, like your children having to work in the factory. Like it just seems like more like. I mean, gritty, maybe gritty is not the word, but like more serious and important. I don't know. Like I love Pride and Prejudice and that like setting, but I just really loved, I mean, it sounds weird to say like I loved the hardship of North and South, but I did like the contrast that it like gives you um, and like gives you another side that I think I haven't read much of. 
yeah, we're seeing much of. So I like that. <laughs> it doesn't focus on the love story. That's the difference. It's not a romance. It's it's well, it isn't, it isn't. there's a romance in it, but it's not centered around the romance. It's no. centered around poverty and having to like move and work for a living and like dealing with the working class versus the gentleman callers from Pride and Prejudice that already have their 10,000 pounds a year and like the women that are just trying to marry versus like a woman that's like trying to survive without any income. So I feel like that's probably what you are referring to. That's what I meant. (laughs) Along with them being physically like like dirty from the grime of the city. (laughs) The fact that you called it gritty, I was like, well, of course it's fucking gritty. It's like, it's like soot everywhere. And like everybody's working in a factory. Double meaning there. Um, But I'm also rewatching Pretty Little Liars. Well, I don't know if I can technically say rewatching if I only ever watched the first few seasons. You restarted it. I restarted Pretty Little Liars. Thank you. And um, I have not read the books, but... I loved the show when I was in middle school, and um, so I'm excited to watch it again. So that's that's what I've been up to. What have you been watching and reading? Uh, not Pretty Liars, but I did watch that growing up. Um, I hmm. Oh, I was watching season 10 of Grey's Anatomy. Mm. And the reason I say that is because it takes me about two years to watch one season because <laughs> I binge it in like two days which takes a lot out of me physically mentally and emotionally and then I'm like okay I need to calm down and then I like step away from it and I'm not willing to recommit so uh it literally has been over a year since I touched it and I watched season 10 in like a week so there's that um I always forget that Grey's Anatomy is like a heavy show to watch because I've seen it so many times that I'm just so used to it. I put it on as like background noise and there are a few episodes that I always skip because they're very emotional, but like there's always something sad going on in the show and I feel like I'm just like so numb to it because I've seen it so many times. Well, not even like the sad shit. Like I don't care if like people die per se. It's more (laughs) like I'm not like I'm, I don't like gory. Mm. So like, and I know it's fake, but it's like, makes me gag a little sometimes when I have to see some of the stuff. So, um, that takes like its toll on me. Um, but I did binge the new season of Never Have I Ever. Oh, I still want to, I still haven't watched yet. I'm excited though. Have you watched season one and two? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's good. Um, it's really interesting the way they continue it and I like the fact that I think they're gonna only do four seasons um so it's like it's her solely in high school I think a lot of shows um when they transition to college don't always transition well because it's like the drama of high school is different than the drama of college although if you meet half the people I went to high school with I'm pretty sure they're still the same (laughs) but um you know but yeah, I haven't been watching as much. Uh, I've been reading a decent amount. I was able, I was on the bus a lot for going back and forth to New Jersey for stuff and took a lot of my reading time. So um, I was able to finish two books, which is good for me because I haven't been reading as much. Yeah. But um, what'd you read? 
I finished The School for Good Mothers by Jasmine Chan, which is a book that was released earlier this year, and I was on the wait list forever at the library because I'm poor and I use the library. I support libraries. Um, It was recommended actually to me by my boss at the yoga studio. Uh, So good because she knows I like weird twisted shit. What's it about? Um, So it's like about this woman who uh, basically has what she calls a bad day where she leaves her like two-year-old alone for two hours in her house and someone called like child protective services so she essentially loses like her parental rights and then like they're like or she goes on probation and they like monitor her and they have to decide whether or not she's good or not to like get her kid back and like there's other stuff involved like the dad like basically like left her while she was pregnant (laughs) um for like a 28 year old and like she was like 37 when she had the baby so it's like she waited so long and so there's that and then um there's other things like a barrier like her parents are from china so like there's a cultural difference where people are judging her based on her culture and her upbringing um because she's being scrutinized by child protective services all the time and she eventually gets sent to this year-long um program that's like new or whatever where they have to like live in like a an abandoned old uh campus like a, and like go through what it's had it's it's a school for good mothers and they have to like repeat like I am a bad mother but I am learning and then they have to like I don't want to like give too much away because like a lot of it was like what the fuck um but they have to practice like how to talk like a mother and they call it like motherese and like how to like portray emotion through your hugs and how to hug properly and like it's a lot of judgy like it feels a lot like the Karen moms when they like scold people out on Facebook and call people out like on Instagram or whatever about like their mothering it's like escalated 10 times over because it's like you just see all the different like things that go wrong like it, it ranges from like mothers that like beat their kids to like a girl a woman that like got called out for complaining about her toddler too much on facebook hmm. like crazy stuff it, obviously it's not real but it's based on like a lot of truths so um what are you reading or have read um so i'm listening to red white and royal blue by casey mcquiston i'm like 80 percent of the way done but I, like, had a day where I was just, like, feeling really down. I was like, I don't need, like, a cute love story right now. So I've set that aside for the moment. Um, But I I will finish it soon. Um, It's really cute. I was kind of hesitant because I was like, oh, it sounds, like, really, like, cheesy. And, like, and it is. But it's really cute and, like, really steamy in parts. I've been listening to it on walks. And I'm like, oh, my God. When, like, the sex scenes come on and I'm listening and I, like, know I'm blushing in public. and it makes me feel like all kinds of wrong, but it is a really cute story about like the first son of the United States falling in love with the Prince of England and just good vibes all around. Mm-hmm. Really like it. One of my favorite parts is that they erase Trump as a president and it's, 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 a it's a Latina woman mm-hmm. that had won in 2016 in this book. And I'm like, this is, this is the reality I want. I love it. <laughs> and they're from Travis County, Texas, yeah. um, which I'm not from Travis County, but I am, I live near Travis County. And so every time they talk about Texas and going to like LBJ, I'm like, I've been there. Um, so 
it's just a fun read. Um, so that's one. And then I just finished Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabriel, um, or Gabrielle, sorry, um, Zevin. It is the best fucking book I've read this year. I don't think anything could beat it. It's like in my top three of all time. Like it is so good. I'm already rereading it. It is amazing. I love it so much. It's just, it's beautifully written. It's a beautiful story. I couldn't get enough of it. It made me feel like, do you remember when I read Normal People for the first time and it like broke me? That's kind of how this was. Um, But it's like that where it like breaks you, but it's like, like it makes you remember why you love reading and like how stories and books can affect you so much, like physically, where you like physically like you just want to hug the book, you know what I mean? Like it just like, yeah. it is so good. Um, and I just think everyone should read it. It's so fucking good. Yeah. I have it on my shelf, <laughs> but I have a lot on my shelf. So. Well, put everything aside and read this one immediately. Okay. Well, if you're, <laughs> I'm part of a lot of book clubs, dude, including the one with you. So, yeah. and I, and I'm traveling a lot in the next, so I'm, that might be all right. I just have to find room in my suitcase for that. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I've also read other stuff, but like the school for good mothers by Jessamine Chan is what I'll, what I'll say on the pod. I recommend for people to read, um, go to your library, wait six months for it or go buy it with um, money. You filthy rich bastards. So <laughs> either one, uh, do you want to get into the book club book we're talking about today? Yes. Okay. You want to read our synopsis? Yeah. So we're, we read Persuasion by Jane Austen, where it's the last novel fully completed by Jane Austen. It was uh, published post-humans. So, um, meaning she was dead. Uh, the story concerns Anne Elliot, a young English woman of 27 years old, whose family is moving to lower their expenses and get out of debt at the same time as the wars has come to an end, putting sailors on shore. They rent their home to an admiral and his wife, who is the brother, whose brother is Navy Captain Frederick Wentworth. That's a mouthful. (laughs) Um, Who had been engaged to Anne uh, many years prior and now they meet again, both single and unattached, but haven't talked in more than seven years. This sets the scene for many humorous encounters, as well as a second well-considered chance at love and marriage for Anne Elliot, um, who is considered in her second quote-unquote bloom. I did not write that synopsis. I think that synopsis is a little weird, but um, yeah. So we picked this book, Ashen picked this book mainly because the new adaptation was released on Netflix in July, I want to say, where the lovely, ever-inspiring Dakota Johnson plays Anne, um, which was an interesting choice. And we read the book and then we got together with um, Ashen's roommate and watched the movie. So I know that on my points that I want to make... Uh, I basically like talk a little bit about the book, but I do also want to discuss the book adaptation because I have read every single Jane Austen novel um, and some of her other work too. And I've seen at least one adaptation for every single book. So I'm curious what your take on it was versus my take who's like 
an obsessed person. So, um, anyway, I've been chatting a lot. So what is your first point that you'd like to talk about? So I think the first thing for me was I could really tell, I'm not sure where Pride and Prejudice falls in like the chronology of her I novels. Have it. Is it first? It, it was the second book published. The second. Okay. Cause you can even, I've not read all of Austin, but I've read Pride and Prejudice and now Persuasion. And you can really tell how much she matured as a writer between the two. Um, I mean, she's not like, yes. it's not that Pride and Prejudice wasn't, like excellent i thought it was but i don't know there's just something more right persuasion was her last book that she wrote and the last book that not the last book that she published though or yes it was it was both last book she wrote and the last book she published but pride and prejudice wasn't the first book she wrote and neither was was the first one that was published either the first book that she wrote was Northanger Abbey, but that was published fifth, I want to say. So she's very out of order the way she writes. Um, so if you ever want to see what she writes, like, like her first novel when she was like 17, I want to say, like she was like young when she wrote it versus Persuasion, read Northanger Abbey. But anyway, sorry. No, it's okay. And I do eventually want to read all of her novels because I do, I always enjoy them when I read them. But I really liked seeing her evolution as a writer. Um, like there's just like, it's, it's hard to explain. It's just something like you feel like, you know what I mean? Like you just read it and you can tell like she was yeah. older and wiser when she read this, there's more nuance. I think it's a more, um, she's really honed the tongue in cheek. I feel yes. like, like you can definitely tell that like, Anne is extremely witty and like does not take shit seriously and is making fun of everybody, which all of her heroines do. But Anne is the most obvious about it in like the way it comes across the page. Yeah. And it just feels ridiculous. And like you realize when you read Persuasion that all of her books are like that, where she's mocking this genteel culture and society because she herself was a spinster. Um, and it really shines through, I feel like, with Anne's character. Yeah, I agree. I really liked the character of Anne. I felt really connected to her because of the way she was written. Um, so that was just my first point was I love seeing the difference in her writing between Pride and Prejudice and this one. Um, what is your first point? Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about how there's a motif that I've noticed within all of her books but it comes through, I feel like the strongest in this one is her narcissistic sisters. So in almost all of the books, no, actually, I'm I'm lying. All of the books, the main character has either a direct sister or like an adoptive type sister in it where the main character is considered less pretty than them or less smart or eligible or blah, blah, blah. So, um, in this one, I think what's interesting is that you get to see Anne's direct sisters, which is Anne's the middle child. Her eldest is Elizabeth, who is the fair, beautiful one, the dainty one, the one that has a lot of pride because they're wealthy adjacent, I want to say, because they're in debt. They're in serious freaking debt. And then the youngest, which seems as very frivolous, very self-absorbed, hypochondriac. Um, She also has a lot of pride, 
but um, she's married with children already. Like she's already married, whereas the other two sisters aren't. So I think what's also great the way she does this is she showcases these two women that are narcissistic in their own ways, in their own lifestyles. And then you get Anne, who is just very giving to both of them and very like tolerant, but at the same time mocking them to their faces, but they're so oblivious to what other people think because they're so concerned with themselves. They don't even realize that she's doing it. Like they're like just like, oh yeah, I agree. Like and 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 literally is like, yeah, like you don't give a shit about your children. Like you're fucking sitting here and she's like oh yeah like no I know I don't want to deal with the children like obviously it's all about me and the other one's like oh I'm too pretty to do this and Anne's like of course that's why you're still single and and the like they just goes right over the head and then you get the other two sisters which are sister-in-laws to her younger one um Mary Mary's the younger sister the other two sisters the Musgraves Musgroves Musgraves I forget Musgroves? Yeah, Louisa and Henrietta, who are not as frivolous, but they're young. And that's the only difference, is that they're just showing young, immature characteristics. Um, but they, like, shine through more to Anne because they're more genuine. Um, and I think that's really interesting because I know that Jane Austen had a sister and who she, like, adored and, like would always write to and everything. Um, and it's always interesting how there's never really brothers. Mm -hmm. There's no men. And it, it makes a lot of sense because it's like, they're not going to be taken care of by a brother. They have to like find their own ways. And that's a common theme with a lot of Austin's work. But <laughs> the fact that it's always sisters that are not very sisterly, you know, that shine through the most. So I think that's an interesting motif that I noticed with this one. That is interesting. I didn't know that she had a sister that she really loved because reading this, I would think like she had a sister that she really hated, <laughs> like reading like her work. I mean, like, I don't know, in Pride and Prejudice, like Jane and Elizabeth are really close, right? I guess. And like, she is closer to like Louisa and Henrietta here, but that's interesting um, that that comes up <laughs> so often in her stories and she didn't feel that way in real life. Or maybe she did. Maybe this is her way of telling her sister. I don't know if she had multiple sisters. I know she had a brother and a sister. Interesting. Yeah, that's a good point, too. I have never thought about how there aren't really, like, brothers. But I really like that, I think. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's that the cousins. books... Yeah, there's cousins. I don't think the books would be... Yeah, that's a good point. I don't think the books would be as good if it were, like, brothers. I, I think, like, the sisterly, like, bonds and strife is, like, what is so interesting about the books. And I don't think we'd get that from a brother, especially, like, in this time period. Yeah, it gives her mobility. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, she's going to visit a sister. She's going to live with a different sister like that's in and that happens in persuasion as well as other like the only reason she doesn't have to go to bath with her father and her elder sister is because her younger sister has quote-unquote fallen ill and needs and needs assistance right away so Anne's like and Anne hates bath she's like I don't want to fucking move to bath she's like oh Mary needs me I'll go over there knowing full well that Mary's like just being a little bitch so <laughs> yeah, uh, Mary cracks me up in the movie and in the book. I just think like it's so funny to me, and I think and we'll, we can talk about this more. But they just they cast her perfectly in the new adaptation. It was so good. Um, but I think you you have another point too about like how 
like the openings are all like centered on men, which I think is interesting to like yeah compare with how this yeah. there's a lot of sisters and that's like provides like the meat of the story, but they still all yeah. open with the men. I think that's so, like really interesting. But what's interesting about it is like so I actually did my research for once since I'm just talking out of my ass. <laughs> um, so they don't all specifically open centered around men. Two novels open talking about the woman and they're the only two novels where they're teenagers so it's emma i want to say she's 19 or like 21 like she's they're young whereas every other female character is mid-20s at least or considered a spinster emma it's all about emma and and like how she like wants for nothing. Nothing has ever vexed her in her life. Um, and then with Anger Abbey, it also talks about Catherine Moreland and it, it it goes into her description. And I think those are interesting because those are her middle novels, the fourth and fifth ones that were written. Like if you read Northanger Abbey, that's the first one she ever wrote. But these were published fourth and fifth. And so it's like she establishes herself in the publishing world, which is not friendly to women back then. And her first books, uh, which I think the first one was Sense and Sensibility, Pride and Prejudice, and then um, Mansfield Park, they all center around women, either in the uh, Sense and Sensibility, it talks about this guy, Henry um, Dashwood, who basically is inheriting all this money um, from like the death of a man. And he has to figure out what the fuck to do with his sisters. And then, um, and then Pride and Prejudice has the classic opener. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. And then Mansfield Park, it talks about how this woman was lucky enough to marry this fucking dude and captivate him and therefore raised raised rank and basically it was beneficial for her to marry a man like this and i think personally what i've noticed is that by starting with men by talking about men and privilege and um connecting the women to them it's smart because these are her first novels published and they're gathering an audience of readers where if they picked up a book and it was like, let me tell you about this bitch, Emma. <laughs> like she was a badass bitch. She was rich. She had no problems in the world. She was beautiful. She never even wanted a husband. Nobody at that time would read it because they'd be like, okay, well, this isn't true. Obviously what woman at 21 wouldn't want a male? Like, Mm, this doesn't exist like they wouldn't fucking read it you know it'd be too far-fetched for their society so she starts with men and she starts with how like that's what kicks off the stories and what's so fabulous about her can you tell that i fucking love jane austen what's so fabulous about her is that she's doing it ironically she's being so satirical and mocking the idea that men have to kick off the novel, that this is about like everything that's great and good is adjacent to a man coming into a fortune or a woman marrying a very special man. And it's like she's making fun of what that society values for so long 
and she's doing it in a way to get people to read her fucking books while she's alive, which is like unheard of. She's so fucking smart. <laughs> like she really is. How cool she's like is the that? Ultimate marketer for her own. Yeah, books. she's like, bitch. I'm gonna trick all these men to read my book, or at least listen to a woman in a drawing room read my book, because I'm gonna talk about them mm-hmm. and I'm gonna fluff their fucking feathers, and they're gonna think that oh, we're important. We're we're the reason this whole story exists. Whereas you never fucking hear about them again. It's like never about in their. It gives you the lay of the land. And then it's like, oh, by the way, um, so here is the family tree. And then here's this woman called Anne Elliot. And we're going to just tell you the whole story about Anne. And you never, you have, like, maybe a quarter of the book is about her father, Walter. Yeah. Like, maybe. But it's it's always, it's also, like, seen through her perspective. And, like, yeah. so, like, even when it is about men, um, like, Wentworth or... Croft or her father or you know Sir Elliot it's all like through what Anne thinks about them which I love she tricks them she tricks them into a story that is told by a woman about a woman and they don't realize until they get like halfway through and then most people are like well fuck I got this far you already bought it yeah (laughs) so it's like it's just it's it's cool I think that's that was a cool observation as someone who is rereading them. Like, I reread Pride and Prejudice, and this was the first reread of Persuasion. So, very cool. Yeah, I think that's a really good point and a really interesting one. Um, Especially because she's, like, very well-known, at least for Pride and Prejudice, that first line. Um, But not the other so much. Um, So, I don't know. I think that that is a really good observation. And I haven't read all the other books. I couldn't have made it. So, I think that's great. Well, I try not to... I actually try not to say too much because I don't want to give away anything for you about the intros for the other books. Oh, sorry. Um, Okay. So, one of my other points was... So, one of the things that I liked about this book, and I realize it was written at a different time, but it's, it's like, it's a story about redemption and second chances at love. And like, I really like that. But then at the end, when they finally, spoiler alert, get together, Wentworth and um, Anne, she's like, I love you so completely, but I am glad that I was persuaded to say no to you eight years ago. Like, I don't think I made a mistake. And I'm just like, I know that like, it was a different time, so, like, she had a different set of considerations. She can't purely think about love. But I don't know. That did kind of, like, bother me. Because, like, if he hadn't come back like a rich Navy man, then they wouldn't have, like, gotten together. And I'm like, that, like, I I, I understand it from an intellectual perspective. But my heart is like, no, you should just like take him, even if he were like really poor because you love him. But she's kind of just like, oh, I still love him. And I can do it now because he's rich. This is great. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's a that's a good interpretation. I feel like I interpreted that differently. Um, to tell. I feel like her, by her saying that, she's not the same person she was at 19 when she fell head over heels for him. Um, and she was persuaded to say no. She was easily swayed. Whereas, like, now she was literally like, 
I don't care if he's rich or not. I'm still in love with him. Like she let that love grow and realize that she wasn't just infatuated. She was actually in love with his person. And so the seven years when he came back, she was like, um, at one point she's like, I'm, she was bracing herself to see him. And she was like, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna freak out. Like, I'm not gonna, like, I'm over it. Like, I'm okay. Like, you know what? I made my choice and that if he's not, he's not going to be angry at me or whatever. I have to take it. Like I have to accept that I like lost him all those years ago and not be affected by it. I need to be mature. And like she goes in and she's like kind of bumbling a little bit, but like she basically is like, okay, that wasn't that bad. That wasn't that bad. He was cordial. I'm okay with like how this went. I'll still always love him, but like I have to accept the fact that like he doesn't love me anymore. And by the, you know, by the end when he admits like, no, I've never stopped loving you. Um, she sees that like, okay, their love was actually true and not just like an infatuation at 19. And I think that's where I'm looking at it from. Like she is now a woman that if someone had told her, no, like told her, like, you can't marry him again. He's a freaking naval officer. She would have been like, no, I fucking love him. Like, I still love him. Like, that doesn't matter to me. I've still loved him after all these years. So I feel like, because money isn't a factor to her. Like, she doesn't care that much about money if you think about it. Because, like, it's her family that's proud about money. And, like, she was content to, like, live however she wanted without, like, she had friends and she had a roof over her head. So like she just didn't, she was like ready to sell stuff. Remember? She was like, let's sell this. Let's do that. And they're like, Oh no, like we're not selling this. We're not doing that. And she's like, why? We don't need it. So she wasn't as materialistic, I think as like her family. So I feel like maybe she wouldn't have minded if he wasn't so rich. I, I agree. I think she personally is not that way at all. But I think it's hard to know or like it's hard to think about whether or not I don't know, if he had come back and he wasn't like a rich, like well-respected person, if she still would have loved him. But I don't know. I would like to think, but I can't be sure that she would just say, you know, like, fuck you to Lady Russell and like marry him anyway. I feel like it's just like really convenient that like Lady Russell and like everybody agrees to this the second time around. Right. So like it makes it easier, I think for her to pursue, I don't know. Like I still see the best in her and I think like it's a really sweet love story, but I couldn't help but notice that she was like, Oh, I'm like fine that I was persuaded eight years ago. Whereas like, I would have thought she'd been like, I can't believe I was so persuadable eight years ago. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I like the movie, too. The movie was so good. So, I... I think the movie played a good point on, like, that where um, you can see how she was, like, willing to speak up for her. Like, the movie definitely portrayed that version of of Anne that I'm describing. Like, the one that doesn't give a shit what other people think. Because by the end, she's, like, 27. And they are... First off, the movie was great. I really did like how they, I feel like how they 
really like leaned into like the satire because mm-hmm. like they had her like looking into the camera and speaking directly to the audience and it's like that's exactly how Jane Austen writes mm-hmm. and she's writing to the reader she's not writing for the reader yeah and um I think <laughs> wait what do you mean writing so she's writing to, to the, the reader, like she's it's the what I mean is like she's speaking to someone she's commenting on society and she's doing it to the reader whereas like writing for the reader is like she's not writing for the people that are picking up her books like she's convincing men to read her book she's convincing wealthy gentle gentle people like genteel whatever it's called but she's mocking all of them so she's commenting on their lifestyles to them and their faces basically and that's what like the the movie kind of felt like it's like that she looked literally was like this is fucking ridiculous like looking at them looking at us like being like don't you think this is ridiculous like you're seeing all this you're witnessing it don't you also think this is stupid and i feel like that really comes through in in the movie i know a lot of people had mixed feelings about that um and also we don't have to talk about it too much but um I have no idea where that bunny came from. I fucking love the bunny detail. (laughs) In the movie, just randomly, she will just be like petting a bunny on her lap. And I'm like, where the fuck did that come from? She was just sitting in the window alone. And then in the next shot, she has a rabbit. Um, I love that. I think it is so funny. Um, And the way that she talked to the camera in the movie was very flea bag. I don't know. And she gave like lots of like flea bag looks. And I loved that. Um, I did hear mixed reviews. A lot of people said, you know, they like use like modern colloquialisms. And like at one point, like Dakota Johnson as Anne says, like, he's a 10 and I never trust a 10. And so people were like really upset by it. I thought it was I thought they did just enough to where it was like kind of like a modern twist, like a modern retail. I don't know. I I thought that it was like chef's kiss. I think a lot of people, especially with these movies forget that it's an adaptation yeah it's which means it's not the exact replica of what it is and i really enjoyed um how in the settings and the way they dressed and things like that it was extravagant Mm -hmm. and colorful um similar to the the new emma movie which i know you haven't seen so i'm not gonna give away anything but like i remember the commentary of um i think autumn wilde is her name the the director for emma was saying how like you know, all these, you know, movies, the historical adaptation movies, they show them in weathered clothing and, like, drab things and, like, it, almost like sepia tone. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I fuck with sepia tone. <laughs> but back then, everything was new. Everything was, like, like, if they bought new furniture, it was polished. They had servants. Like... Everything was bright and new. It wasn't worn and antique looking because it was from that time period. Yeah. So I really liked how in this one they did the same thing. Whereas like they were dressed in nice new garb. There was bright colors. It wasn't just like and don't and I love the Pride and Prejudice from two thousand five. But like that's what they did in that they they had like a very earthy yeah. um, color palette for the whole movie. Whereas this one is like bright mm-hmm. and entertaining and. It draws you in. And so I really enjoyed that um, that take on it, I guess. But I don't know how you felt about Wentworth because I know 
a lot of uh, people have mixed feelings about like the portrayal of Austin heroes and like how the men are like, are they truly snobs or are they just anxious? Like how the Pride and Prejudice with Colin Firth or um, McFadden something Matthew McFadden like they're they're two different portrayals so I don't know how did you feel about Wentworth's um performance I I really liked it I thought that it translated really well to how I read him in the book I thought that it was like a pretty loyal adaptation um because I think I don't know. In the book, I got the sense, like, right away. I mean, obviously, you know how it ends. But, like, you get the sense right away. Like, he's not, like, ever, like, mean to her, like, Darcy. Or, like, you just know right away. Like, he still has feelings. And that's the sense I got in the movie, too. Um, I mean, it's more – you can more easily pick up on it, like, on film. Because, like, there's, like, a look, right? And there's, like, body language that you don't necessarily get in the book. But um, I don't know that it's the, like, person I would have chosen, like – and like I thought he was like fine, but he was like um slightly less charismatic than the book Wentworth in my head. I don't know, he seemed like he was very good looking and like you could tell he loved Anne a lot, but he was also, I thought, kind of dry. I don't know, but I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Um I looked up his name. It's Cosmo Jarvis, um, who plays him, a very like unknown actor or not known to me um <laughs> so who are you um to be honest i fluctuated between like oh he's just like nervous and tortured and then like oh he's angry and like closed off which is how wentworth is in the book um i think like what you said by like he's just very like not charismatic it's not a charismatic book in my opinion like this is the most cut and dry like book by Austin in my opinion it's shorter Mm -hmm. and like I feel like it's obvious like they explain how they both feel right from the start like you can tell he's pissed that she basically stood him up she basically dumped him for like and and she's tortured by it because like she dumped him but not for like like, not in the way she wanted, and also, like, she lied to him on why she dumped him. She didn't give a shit about his money or his status. She just said what other people told her to say. So he took it as, oh, that's her personality. So he comes in being, like, this fucking bitch. Like, this snooty, stuck-up C-word. So, like, <laughs> I don't want to go on air saying that. <laughs> So it's like he comes in like that and then immediately sees her acting like Anne, acting like herself. And he's like that he fell in love with. And he's like, okay, I'm going to reevaluate this. But like he's doing it behind like a closed face. And at the same time, like he's distracted. He's a fucking 19 year old is thrown at him like immediately. Oh, a single man in his 30s. Let's skip over the 27 year old and give him right to the 19 year old because she just graduated finishing school and that's the thing we do. So it's like, he's, he's distracted by the fact that this girl is giving him all the attentions. Whereas like, Anne's not, and he's, you know, so he's like focusing on what's in front of him. I feel like, so I think that maybe is why he seems like very standoffish a little bit. And then like, I don't know that fucking scene with the water equivalent 
to the motherfucking hand scene, in my opinion. The the scene with the water where she so they have a conversation on the beach, right? And oh. it's very strained. And you can see, I mean, I thought I could see it. I could see like the torture in his face where he's like basically asking her, like, are you cool with like this girl being into me? And she's like, I just want you to be happy, man. And like she's like pushing through it like it's fucking labor. And so she's like, okay, bye. And he like goes, he's leaving and she thinks she's alone. And she just walks into the ocean, fully dressed, fantastic. And like, I'm watching her go into the water and I'm just, I think I said it out loud. I was like, five bucks says he's watching from the fucking cliffs. And he was, and you just see like the ultimate, like love torture strain on his face. Like if he had thick veins, they'd be popping. <laughs> like, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So like, I think- it's subtle. It's very, very subtle. And that's eloquent. Um, and that's why I mean by like, it's cut and dry with Jane because she doesn't fuck around she, like with this, with this book. She literally is like, they're both tortured. They both like regret a lot of things, but they're both trying to be really fucking mature about it and move on, but they can't. So they're just bottling up all that emotion chemistry tension whatever you name it and it's like stone face stone face stone face stone face so (laughs) (laughs) you can't see my hand gestures but they're they're here (laughs) they're in full swing yeah Yeah. so i don't know i'm sorry i like i i'll shut up i i can talk about jane Austen all day long no i i love that and i wish that i had read her more when i was younger um because I think I really would have loved her when I was in middle and high school. And I would just love to see like how my ratings changed over the years. But I didn't read her until I was like 24. Did you know that I didn't read Pride and Prejudice first? No. No, wait, I did. I'm sorry. I lied. Oh, you mean before the movie? I thought I, I, thought I read Emma first. I don't know. I don't remember. It's so long. Yeah, no. I read. I know I read Pride and Prejudice at 13. Maybe I read Emma directly afterwards but that was like my next one which is a random one to jump to definitely want to read them all um i think megan has them all and if whatever megan doesn't have i'm sure you have so between the two of you i'm covered (laughs) oh yeah i have them um all right so we're we're chatting a lot do you want to uh go into what we would rate the book persuasion i did both i did the book and and like well i did two different things so yeah i think Originally, I had a three quarters razzle, but after our, but well, okay, so originally I had three quarters razzle because the ending was a little like, like I talked about, I thought like maybe it was just, she didn't have to rebel as much as I think she could have because it was convenient for her to love him the second time around. So that was why I was going to give it three quarters, but I think I'm going to give it a full um, or like a five, six because like I'm closer to a full razzle because I think you're right. I think it wouldn't have mattered to her. It just happened to work out. But I, I sort of wish that Austin had like, had, you know, just like had a little more tension there where she like where it wasn't an easy choice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like where he came back, but he was destitute or like that's the only thing I'm like, she just was so easily well persuaded all um in at the beginning and i 
think that I don't know. I don't know. If she, we just won't know if she would have made the same choice. Yeah, I think like I think also uh, this is her f- main adult story. Like they're the oldest in this. Like she's it's their oldest heroine. So like I think that's also why it's not like a favorite of everyone's because it's it's not dumb early 20 year olds being like do I love him do I love him not like flitting from drama to drama which is every other story every other story has way more drama in them trust me um the only drama is like Louisa fucking jumping off a cliff she's such a dumbass (laughs) I'm not gonna give anything else away but (laughs) it's the dumbest it's the dumbest scene in the book and it's even dumber when they reenact it like in the adaptation because there's no like proper way to do it like if you want to be true to the book so it just looks ridiculous she's just a fucking dummy she's like she's like trust fall but like doesn't tell anyone she's like she's like catch me and he's like turning like like, what what? they're like oh my god she's an idiot no but i really i do love the theme i i i really do like this like idea of redemption and second chance and like people kind of like finding their way back to each other um I think that's one of, I don't know if that could be considered like a trope, but like where people like go apart and then like find their way back to each other is like one of my favorite things that happens in a book. Um, And so, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I just, I really did love it. I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it almost a full razzle after our talk. I have a similar vibe. So I rated it in the Jane Austen world. And then I also rated it in general. So, like, because I've read every other Jane Austen novel, I think it's a full razzle because it's a mature book. I think she, like you said, it's a, it's really well written. And her satire and wit just really comes through solidly. Like, you don't, I mean, I mean, some people just don't like that older type writing, the Victorian-esque writing so they might not understand it or appreciate it because it's not blatant humor um it's smart humor but it come when you do appreciate that and can understand that and derive that from this type of writing it's fantastic um so that's a full razzle because it's just a good adult love story of people being stupid and stubborn in my opinion yeah. um, it's real it's it's real that's yeah. what i'm saying it's mature yeah um you know, it's like you're not the same fucking person you were when you were 19. It's like how real love is. It's not like, yeah, like he, rainbows and butterflies and fairy tales. Not like Pride and Prejudices. There's definitely like some tension there that's too. A trope. But that one's a solid trope. Yeah. So it's like, you know, he got fucking heartbroken and went out and did stupid fucking shit and was like kind of a dumbass, but like brave. And that's why he got like acclaimed as an officer because he like did all these daring rescues because he was like i have nothing to live for (laughs) just like that he said it just like that (laughs) and then uh Anne came out with her rabbit um (laughs) she's not a euphemism (laughs) she's like yeah yeah here's my rabbit do you want to pet my rabbit? <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> it's been seven years. <laughs> oh my god, you're yeah, delirious. Like, I feel like they definitely fuck. Like, she's not a virgin. Oh they no. definitely. No. In the book and in the movie, like... Mm, they definitely... Okay. Um, and then in general... <laughs> 
I give it three quarters because it's a good book. Um, it's not my favorite Jane Austen, but I feel like the age shit got really annoying to me. Like how like the 27 year old gets passed over for like the 19 year old who is clearly dumb. Um, obviously <laughs> jumps off a fucking cliff and like, for attention. And like, so how like, like I also hate this in books and in movies, especially in movies when like the audience knows something the other person doesn't. And it's like they, when people don't talk things through and then there's just like all these assumptions of things, it's like, it's like, Oh, did you hear like blah, blah, blah is getting married. And it's like, oh, she's marrying the person that I saw her with last. They don't give any fucking names, right? And they just give, like, titles. And then you're like, oh, my hope is dashed. And then it's like, well, the uh, and then that person who you think is getting married and off the market comes and is, like, essentially proclaiming their love, but, like, doing it in, like, a caustic way. So they're like... Like, do you like they're trying to like they don't come out right and be like, do you love me? They're like, oh, so like the one person is trying to be all strong and brave and it's like, I'm happy for you. You know, like I'm moving on. I'm so glad you are, too. And then the person's like, wait, I thought I was declaring my love for you. You don't like me like, oh, OK, I guess I'll just go over here in a corner. And it's like, OK, if you both just were like, I fucking love you. I'm not engaged. Like, if you did the bullet point conversation, <laughs> like, I don't like that kind of stuff. I, don't, I like, you know, that that irritates me where it's like select details are left out of the dialogue. And I'm like, I hate you screenwriters. And I hate when that happens. Like, I understand it builds drama, tension, and intrigue, but it irritates the shit out of me. Just say what you, you're thinking. Like, just say what happened verbatim and like, they won't get angry with you. Like, mm. Anyway, so that's why that's a <laughs> three quarters. Um, but anyways, I'm all heated now. Maybe I have to go <laughs> cool off in the ocean with my clothes on. Yeah, just go take like a walk in the ocean. Not like a walk on the beach. It's like a walk in the ocean. <laughs> walk straight in at this point. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, definitely I'd be down to reread um, other Austin stuff. But we can't make this an Austin club. <laughs> No, we can't. Unless that's a good, no, that's a good movie. Yes. I definitely would recommend that movie. But um, yeah, no. Uh, this was a really easy reread for me. It was quick and simple. It's a small book. Um, but uh, how have you been with your current reading? So you you said you're doing the audiobook, right? Are you reading anything else? Um, no, I guess I just finished this book and then tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. I guess I'm rereading that. But I also started rereading Harry Potter like months ago. And then it took me like all summer to finish the fifth one because I only read like a chapter every once in a while. So I'd like to go ahead and get through six and seven because I'm the kind of person I can't just like walk away now that I've reread five. Like I have to reread six and seven or I'll feel like off balance. So I'm gonna read those next. Um, And what else? Oh, um, I keep saying the, the Poisonwood Bible. That's like one of the next on my list too. It's like on so, my nightstand. Yeah, King Solver. It's one of my next ones. It's on my nightstand. I just like haven't had a chance to read it. So I'll probably start that one soon. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I'm currently reading The Transition Baby by Tori Peters. Uh, it's been on my shelf for a while mm-hmm. and it's really good. It's it's a lot. It's heavy. It's yeah. It's like serious with some 
humor added in. It's a very modern book, as in, like, it's dealing with a lot of things that are relevant and um, prevalent today, I want to say. Like, I'm not saying it didn't exist back whenever, but, like, it's definitely something that's more talked about and open now. Um, It's about three characters that I've encountered so far. uh, Reese, who is a trans woman. Ames, who is a detransitioned man. Um, Whereas he was a trans woman, but then detransitioned back into a man um, and is dealing with that. Um, And then a cis hetero woman who gets impregnated by Ames. So it's like this swirl of different um, worlds and different families and friends um, kind of having to like come together and coexist or I don't know the way to describe it. It's interesting though, the way they navigate the conversations in the book and it's, um, you don't realize how far you read into it because each chapter is very long and each chapter like isn't just a single character. It's like you get Reese's perspective and then you jump to Ames and then like, you know, you jump back to Reese and like you're jumping through time. So it's, it's a lot like you have to pay attention when you read it. But when you do get further into it, like I think I'm at least, I'm at least a hundred pages in and I'm thoroughly invested in it to see how it's gonna, it's gonna play out because it's like Ames is struggling with the idea of fatherhood because he doesn't fully identify as a father. Like he's, you know, he was a woman and he identified as a woman and he explains in the book, I'm not going to give anything away, why he detransitioned. And um, so he's struggling with the idea of fatherhood, but he goes to his ex, who is Reese, trans woman, and she is, she's always wanted to be a mother. And so he's like, raise this baby with me because I feel like you understand me the most on how I feel about fatherhood. Um, If the mother wants me involved, if the mother doesn't want me involved, then I'm just paying money because like he wants to support her, the mother's decision and whatever she wants. Because again, they're all like mid to late thirties as well. So there's that issue. And also it's his boss that he impregnates. (laughs) Uh huh. It's his boss. (laughs) And so like, and she's divorced and like, She's dealing with the fact that she's, like, not as, like, open-minded as she thought she was or understanding as she thought she was. And she's, like, kind of being um, transphobic towards him. And it's, like, really fucked up. But uh, I'm hoping that it gets better. I'm hoping that it's, from what I've heard in reviews, I think it's a good ending, I want to say. I don't, I hope it's not. I read a lot of dark shit. I'm really hoping this one doesn't have a dark ending just because, like, I'm rooting for them all. Like, I'm like, let's get together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That song? Yeah. Um, (laughs) But anyways, uh, yeah, that's what I'm reading. And I'm going, I'm traveling again this weekend on a plane. Going on a jet plane. You're just, yeah, full of lyrics today. Um, I'm stuck in the 70s at this point, I think. Uh. But, uh, yeah, hopefully maybe I can bang this one out before I, like, I'm trying to get back into, like, reading, like, more books throughout the weeks. 
um, now that I'm not doing 12, 13 hour days between two jobs, uh, we'll see. But then again, school starts in a, like a week. So <laughs> what is sleep? Don't know her. <laughs> That's why we're always coffee fueled. <laughs> that is true. And I did drink coffee today. That's probably why I'm rambling and like so flushed and excited about Jane, Jane Austen. Austen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I think we're, you're always excited about Jane Austen. I mean, yeah, I am a full on nerd and I will admit that um, without any shame, honestly. I feel like Jane Austen fucks. Like she would be a bad bitch these days like in this time period she would be a bad bitch like for sure like would dance on tabletops yeah i think so too for sure and like heckle men and just be a thoroughly in- enjoyment to be around yeah okay well i think that's probably plenty unless there's anything else you want to add before we close out i don't think so yeah all right, then, then we shall uh, close it out now. Be sure to follow more of our bookish antics on our bookstagrams at There's Ink on My Hands and at Groups of Ash. Share Razzle Frat with friends, lovers, and even enemies. Share the wealth of this gem of a pod and please leave us a review or comment on Apple Podcasts. And check out our podcast Instagram at Razzle Frat Pod. Come for the books and stay for the coffee-fueled conversation. In the meantime, we shall bid you adieu. That's Razzle Frat.